1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: Time now for the College Football Inquirer
3: with Dan Watson. Is there more money? Yes. Would this be better for competitive balance? Yes. Would we get better games? Yes. Why aren't we doing it? Because we're calling each other names.
4: <laughs> Pete Thamom. And it's very easy to see them caught off a conference game, play each other, And maybe that gets 10-15% more revenue on each of their
2: TV deals. With SI's Pat Forty! When you hear trust us in college sports, cover your wallet because somebody's coming for it.
0: Here's Pat, Pete,
3: and Dan! Welcome to the pod. Week zero needs a better name. Yeah, There's five games. We're going to pick them later. The race for the case will begin. And I'm going to say it right now. We're the best college football gambling podcast without even trying to be a gambling podcast. (laughs) That's right. We're accidentally great. Pat, uh, Pete, (laughs) Pete finished 10 games over 500 last year. Pat and Sully were six games over 500. I was two under. But uh, then I think I redeemed myself in the bowls or whatever. We have the best discussions. There's all these self-described gambling experts out there all of a sudden. And, And, you know. It's like the guys picking stocks on TV. Like if you're any good at it, you just pick the stocks. And you'd live in Maui and not not have to go on TV and break. Yeah, you about wouldn't it. bother. You'd just have so much
4: money you wouldn't know what to do with
3: it. <laughs> see, see Warren Buffett on TV every day telling you to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, short this thing or that. Uh anyway, that's all coming. But first we have the alliance. The alliance has begun. We have the some of the details, really not many details. <laughs> There's really one detail. There are no details. There are no details. We have a plan, and we're going to make one. That's the plan. If, first of all, you could not take this seriously. You could not take any college football initiative seriously until it has a corporate sponsor. <laughs> if this was the alliance presented by FedEx, if this was the Tostitos Alliance, then I would be like, okay, now.
4: This the is real. alliance. <laughs>
3: If you didn't sell the naming rights of this, then it is a bunch of crap. It doesn't exist.
2: (laughs) It can still be the Cheez-It Alliance by the time they get around to doing things. I I, I have faith in them.
3: Then I will take it seriously. Until then, if I'm Greg Sankey down in the SEC, I go, get out of here. You didn't even sponsor it. So, Pat,
4: do you think Dan would want the bad boy mower alliance more, or do you think Dan would want the epic athletes by Dan Wetzel alliance more? No,
2: no, (laughs) no, because he'd have to shell out the money for that one. So I think he'd prefer the bad boy mower where he gets a mower out of it but has to put no financial stake in. Yeah, scared money don't make no money.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Scared lawn don't get cut. (laughs) Makes no sense. Can I sell more books to buy the bad boy? But see, I'd be too cheap to buy the bad boy mower.
2: <laughs> what what kind of mower do you have? I just, is it have, like a little, I just have a regular seventeen
3: push. years old. Oh, mine's a simple mower. I like the I like the hands on push mower. Yeah, really groove it, get the crisscross cut, get it all nice and it's perfect. Yeah. No. So, I don't so is like it the head. actual
4: push or is it like the? where no, you, it's a where mower. It.
3: it's got a it's got a it's got a engine. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. doing that wheelie thing like from the <laughs> cartoons. <laughs>
2: Yeah. You know, yeah, no. Flashing like, back to the late 1960s at the Forty House when we were out there push mowering. Yeah, no,
3: come on, we're not we're not that bad. I mean, that's like what like Jerry would roll that up Tom's back and cut the fur off.
4: <laughs> Pat definitely
2: mowed his lawn uphill both ways. Oh back yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And around massive piles of Saint Bernard dog poop.
3: I had a neighbor who had that thing. This guy, and he's like, "What's better for the environment?" I'm like. <laughs> I've been to China, man. If you think that little mower's causing any problems, <laughs> you should see Shangdu's air quality. Make your lawn look nice, son. Enjoy the day. All right, let's get to the alliance. We have Jim Phillips. We have Kevin Warren. We have Clive Coff out west. Everyone was there. Three pronged Zoom call. They they did make a backdrop for it with all three logos, but no corporate sponsor in the middle. Um, so there was a little bit of a plan there. Uh, your takeaway, I think most people listen to this you know, heard some of it. Your take your basic takeaway, Pat, what do you got?
2: I mean it was it was an idea without any detail. you know there there was no real substance there. I mean I I like the idea of a group of people getting together to try to stabilize. The college landscape, and keep this thing from further fragmenting, from further realignment. Uh, and I think that's that was the the look them, look them in the eye, trust one another. Part of this is we're not going to raid each other for members. We'll see about that. I mean, when when you hear trust us in college sports, re, you cover your wallet because somebody's coming for it. <laughs> but you know, how exactly are they going to schedule one another? That remains completely unresolved. You know, at this point, this was trying to look proactive more than anything else in the face of a very aggressive power move by the most powerful league and the most powerful television network as its sidekick. You know, there was, I think they felt like they needed to do something the other day. If you remember the bumper stickers from 30 years ago or whatever that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. This was the SEC is coming, look busy. Uh, And so they're, they're trying to appear busy and proactive and I hope that they can follow through, at least on the general sentiment of let's not just completely blow up the map here.
4: My takeaway was I was impressed by George Klievkoff. He came off as a businessman. He cut through many of the buzzwords, much of the romantic schmaltz that was surrounded by this alliance. I and mean, Jim Phillips at one point looked like he was auditioning for a soap opera when he said, let's look, let's look each other in the eye. Cliff Goffs basically gets the best deal out of this, in my opinion, in the Pac-12, because the Pac-12 and Big Ten contract are both up within essentially the next three years. And it's very easy to see them cut off a conference game, play each other, and maybe that gets 10, 15% more revenue on each of their TV deals. Maybe that if they both end up exclusive to Fox, that's something that Fox really relishes and makes a big deal out of. You can at least see something tangible out of that. So Klevkoff, who's been in the office for about 10 minutes and is in the weakest conference, attaches himself to the two better conferences, or you know, the two conferences that have been more accomplished in the big picture, and distances himself from the Big 12, which the other huge takeaway from this was like Big 12, you ain't in. I, I had a an industry source tell me like, Everyone's waiting for super conferences. Well, we're set. These are the four. They're not going to be four 16-team ones. We got, we got 57 on one side of the moat. And the other side of the moat, everybody's scrambling to cross. And so I at least appreciated that the Pac-12, from a position of weakness, ended up maybe
3: with the tangible best out of the very little tangible that was given. Look, I, this is my takeaway. One, this was an agreement not to cannibalize each other because nobody's quite sure what the heck's going to happen at the end. It's mainly the Big Ten was always going to last. But the other two leagues, it's a chance to prop up the ACC a little to to thwart any long-term threat of Clemson and Florida State jumping, which would completely destabilize college football and, and college sports on the East Coast if everybody goes to the ACC. So it was good. And, and and if you can end conference realignment right now, that's good. that's a good thing, at least at this level. I mean, I think we all want that. Nobody likes this thing. Other than that, it, it looks to me like the, the main goal is basically we have to get Fox in on this playoff deal. And we're willing to make a lot of noise and and puff out our chests that we've got. We're going to hold up this playoff so that even if we have to wait five years, we have these nebulous differences on the margins. They're not big differences. I don't think the SEC really cares about all this, that stuff. I think the SEC, when it comes to the playoff, cared about six six at-large bids. And if there's anything that has happened since, there could be seven at-large bids and five automatic bids. Because I don't know if you really need uh, both the Big 12 and the AAC to have an automatic bid. And we don't even know if there will be those two leagues or they will come together in some form. But the Big 10, particularly, Pac-12 to a lesser degree, or also, I guess, they need Fox to make a lot of money in college sports, so they can continue to pay them a lot of money uh, because they both have deals with Fox. And when you look at a college football season, the number of games that get more than ten million viewers is very limited. Ohio State, Michigan can do it. The SEC championship game can do it. And occasionally, you'll get your Alabama, Auburn, or something like that can do it. Notre Dame, Clemson last year, they got over ten million. And then the playoff games will do it. If all of a sudden you have t- you know, the two or something like that, regular season games, and then seven playoff games, including the championship game, and all of those are going to ESPN. ESPN is making a disproportionate amount of money by having the big games. And Fox is making less money. And ESPN is now exclusively in with the SEC. And as much as they're also in business with the Big Ten and the ACC and the others, there's only so many spots to show games. And the SEC is going to get that priority. So they need long-term Fox and others. Maybe it's NBC with Notre Dame and maybe they expand or whatever it is to make a lot of money off of some of these playoff games. So we've been saying this. Pete's been banging this drum for a long time. They have to get this out to multiple bidders the way the NFL playoffs are run. And i think looking for a
4: cut, by the way. That's why I keep saying it.
3: You're looking for a cut. Pete yeah, has been saying a little side action, you know, 100%. That came through to me <laughs> clear as day. We're opposed to the playoff. What are you opposed to? I don't know, Yeah, <laughs> <Right. No. laughs> but it's not yeah. about money. Oh, well, that's like, that's when, you know, it's about money,
2: right? Um, yeah, when they have to say it's not.
3: Yeah. Okay. So that's it. And that makes sense. Like they have to have more bidders in this. They have to make sure Fox does well in college football. Cause if at some point seven, eight, 10 years down the line, Fox just sits there and goes, we're not making enough money on this sport. We're out. We're going to dump our money into uh, the whole thing the whole house of cards starts to collapse. So they have to do that for them. And I think that is the number one goal of the Alliance. The number two goal is this scheduling deal, which they did not announce, but Pete and I reported, and I don't think it's a big secret that they're, you know, they're talking about setting up a rotation of games Big Ten would drop, the the leagues would all play eight conference games, one game against the other two conferences. So if you're North Carolina, you'd play Wisconsin and Cal. Next year, you'd play Arizona State and Indiana, whatever. Same with Indiana, back and forth. And that could get you a much better television product because you're going to get up to 10 high major games per year instead of eight to nine or whatever you come up with. Uh, In some cases, you'd have 11 so those TV properties would be better. Uh, the problem is you've, you've got years to get through schedules, a decade plus to get through schedules before this really takes heart. But if it did take, if it did go that route and these three basically only play each other other than the, the ACC-SEC rivalry games, the Georgia Tech-Georgia, the Florida State-Florida, the Clemson-South Carolina, and the, the Louisville-Kentucky, the SEC would be starved out of good non-conference games. It's just like who's LSU playing? Who's Alabama playing? Is Notre Dame's out there? They'd be the bell of the ball. We can get to Notre Dame in a little bit. They teamed up. They keep seeming to stumble upward no matter what plan <laughs> comes out. <laughs> Every plan works out for Notre Dame, and so that is a way to kind of do a glancing below on the SEC. I just think the SEC will have ten conference games and go whatever. Exactly, um, it doesn't like really
4: matter. Percent. Well, that's, they, they are I daring say we, the SEC to go to ten. Yeah.
2: Sorry. Yeah, yeah. they ahead. say we've we've got the biggest, best conference. We'll just play ourselves, well, and we'll see you in the playoff.
3: Yeah, Alex. and 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 so it's a small. They, they you know, the small. Most of these schools don't like going anywhere anyway. So uh, it's a it's a like I said, a glancing below, if anything. And I don't think that scares, but that's about it. That's the whole plan. If the whole thing comes to fruition, that's basically all they're looking to do. So. I, you know, in the long run, it'd be actually pretty. 10, 10, 10 high major games is better than what we have. Absolutely. That part would be good. A 12 team playoff, if still implemented properly, is better than what we have. So we can go forward on this. Sucks if you're West Virginia, sucks if you're TCU, sucks if you're Cincinnati or something, but there is still a route to the playoff. You know, I don't think this is the end of the world. I I think mainly yesterday was just about. A whole lot of like saber rattling and patting each other on the back. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just thought it was kind of a ridiculous thing. And and my one other thing is I, I'll go to the the patting each other on the back that we're about unity and collegial. I mean, what the? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Big the- Ten added Rutgers to, for a short-term basic cable subscription money grab. And blew up sports in the entire Northeast. No program in the Northeast is better off than it was. It ruined them all. Except Villanova basketball, I guess. That's it. For a couple cable bucks for like until the cord cutting ends. And you're going to lecture the SEC for taking Texas? (laughs) You would have crawled down there to get Texas. So the
2: disingenuity was was immense on on this call. No, no doubt about it. That everybody would have taken Texas if Texas called them, you know. And Texas talked to everybody, or at least put it out there. Hey, you know, yeah, we're we're interested in looking. And hey, the ACC, yeah, we'd like to talk to you. And I'm sure the others did too. But they chose the SEC. Uh, and as you said, if if they had chosen the ACC or the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, they wouldn't have said no, 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 we can't do this. We, we need to be worried about the stability of the Big 12. They would have said, come on down. So from that standpoint, yes, this is, and that's, with the, you know, the, the funny thing about this is we, we, as we were being lectured on trust yesterday is I mean the sport is in the state it's in because of profound lack of trust that each other, you know, nobody has anybody else's back unless they're looking for the soft spot to stick the knife in so you know to, to 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 make this like ah no just just trust us is is Sully, really asking Sully, play a, a lot. couple of these clips S- play a couple of these clips I And mean, this is unbelievable there, there's no signed contract there's an agreement among three gentlemen and there is a commitment from 41 presidents and chancellors and 41 athletic directors to do what we say we're going to do if there's any um, lack of specificity in the press release It's because we want to make sure we could deliver a hundred percent of what we promised. So we're aligned in how we want to approach this, but there's no contract. There's no signed document. And
1: there doesn't need to be. It's about trust. It's about, we've looked each other in the eye. We've made an agreement. We have great confidence and faith. Our board chairs have looked each other in the eye and have committed to the same level of support and connection to one another. Our athletics directors have done that. And so if that's what it takes to get something considerable done, then you know we've, we've lost our way.
3: And even though I'm a lawyer, I mean,
2: but uh, one of the things that one of my most favorite law professors at uh, Notre Dame would say that uh, uh, if you have to go back and look at a contract that you signed, you <laughs> probably entered a deal
3: with the wrong parties. First off, I've never heard a lawyer say, don't get it in writing. <laughs> <laughs> no I don't know what's going on in the Notre
2: Dame Law School. I didn't go there. I ain't a lawyer like Kevin Warren. But what? Just look each other in the eyes. You don't need to sign anything. These are the same Sully, people. I think you need to play uh, Peter
4: Gabriel's in your eyes. Before yeah, you in your eye. It's a love story. <laughs> yeah. It's a love
3: story. These people, they have like a 17-year-old high school girl who wants to play field hockey at one of their schools. says, I want to, I'm going to come to your school. And they say, put it in damn writing. We don't trust you. <laughs> right. yeah. sign you will the sign letter a letter one-sided binding national letter of intent. <laughs> Cause we don't trust you, Missy. <laughs> and we don't trust that other field hockey coach at the other school. Who's going to poach you, but we're going to believe these guys are all going to get together they're holding hands, kumbaya singing around the campfire. I mean they act like we never watched this sport. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> how dare you insinuate we would need a contract? What? <laughs> this is college athletics.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's been five warring cram crime, crime <laughs> families and now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that they' they've just decided
0: to get along. Okay. Has Bullsby's blood dried on the on the knife that Sankey drove in his back yet, either? Like, come on. We've seen this summer that you can't well, trust that's the each thing. other. Yes. We got here because of the massive trust breach
2: from Texas and <laughs> Oklahoma and the uh enabling of them by the, the SEC. So that's that's exactly how we got to this point was was a humongous breach of trust.
3: I compared it to the the meeting in The Godfather where they had all the families come together and yeah. Vito Corleone asked for a peace, so he would not avenge Sonny's death. And, you know, there was a handshake, and that didn't last. No. Michael killed everybody at the end. He did. Didn't even last the end of the movie. And I have more <laughs> faith than <in> those guys. <laughs> Settled all family business. Vito made a deal. Vito Godfather died. The new Godfather killed everybody. That's right. This is what happened. The the email that they sent out announcing this should have
4: been shotgun marriage of short term convenience with no prenup. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so That's Britney probably Spears, the best way that to. That boils uh, it down pretty well. Yeah. I have to say, <laughs> Britney Spears Vegas wedding <laughs>
4: can't upgrade
2: if available.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right. yes. If SEC comes along and offers a better alliance, we might take it. Other great quotes from the press conference. Sully, play um,
3: play, um, Jim Phillips talking about the Big 12. This is a good one. Oh, it's a great one.
1: We want and need the Big 12 to do well. The Big 12 matters in college athletics. The Big 12 matters in Power 5 athletics and our FBS group. And so I I can just (laughs) tell you that we'll be watching what occurs here. And obviously, this transition isn't supposed to be taking place for another four years. But this group in particular will be very interested to see what happens and to do everything that we can to try to make sure that, again, college athletics looks similar to what it is today. I wonder what they could have done.
3: You know, it's almost like if they were forming an alliance of conferences... That they would invite all the conferences that they care and are important. If only they could have done something like that, that probably would have helped the Big Twelve
2: out a little bit, huh? I think so. Is they were that massive transport plane leaving Kabul, Afghanistan, and they're <laughs> they're shutting the door on the Big Twelve. You know, the Big 12's trying to get on board, and
1: they're shutting the
3: door. So sorry. We're wish full. you
2: well. Yeah, we're full.
3: We wish you well, though. I'm, <laughs> I mean, what? The, both the best and worst analogy in the history of our podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Accurate, <laughs> but a little crude, even by our sensibilities. <laughs> yeah, we care about you, just not that much. Yeah. Not enough to actually help you. <laughs> not exactly to agree to a scheduling deal to prop up your television rights. Yeah. That's right. And if you've talked to any Big 12 ADs or officials,
4: they were desperate to get in this thing because they need a PR win more than anybody. Bob Absolutely. Bowlby, I mean, this he's had two PR wins since this happened. One is big meeting with George Klievkoff, which was a nothing burger. And then the other was the letter to ESPN, which like got all the
2: Texas tech board members off his back for 30 seconds. Yeah. But Hey, I mean, I, I was told that that Bolsby went to Klievkoff and basically said, Hey, we, you can have, you can have the, the abandoned date and we can make it work together. Pac-12, no, not really interested. And, Neither would neither, of course, was the Big Ten of the ACC. I mean, there, there is, as Pete said, I mean, there is zero doubt that that is the big, big loser in all of this. Is the the conference that is was raided and now has been left hung out to dry. If you took and, the, and that was by far the most tangible thing that happened of
4: all the, yeah, the alliances. There's no and all white the, horse. Yeah, like like putting the Big Twelve in its place and really like widening the moat. That's what that did. So none of their rhetoric indicated the most important part, which was we are on the safe side. You are on the other side. Good luck. Look, if you gave
3: the seven, the eight remaining Big 12 teams and put them in this alliance and said you get two games against the other three conferences, or you know, I don't think they would ever go to three games against the other four, but let's say they give them two games. Now they got seven games plus two more against good quality teams. And they have three free games. They can go schedule the SEC or whatever. I'm not saying it's ideal. It's not what it was, but boy, is that a better spot than you would be otherwise. You might sure. be able to make that work. And let's say you go out and add two more. Let's say you take Boise and and BYU to fill out your 12. Like you could, you're fill out your 10. Like you could make that work. It, it's not perfect. It's not as good, but it's a hell of a lot better than well, you're important just you're not invited to the party.
2: Right. No, that you're right. That that if you give them each other but then you add a couple quality non-conference opponents every year, you have what Cincinnati has this year, right? You've got the AAC plus Indiana and Notre Dame. And I think we all agree that if you if you run that table, you you probably are getting in the playoffs. So that that could have been there for the Big 12 theoretically. Uh, but no. Or you'll make the CFP invent more <laughs> gymnastics to screw over
4: Cincinnati. That's Correct. really what they would do. Should they Always deserve possible. to be? Of course. But yes, you will You will spawn more creativity for their uh, dismissive rhetoric. I feel like this is like the last we're ever going to hear from this alliance. Other than if there are new TV deals coming and there are adjustments made for that. The Big Ten and Pac-12 also did have a scheduling agreement. Uh, somebody sent this to me on Twitter like it was uh, I wrote a story about it that I'd completely forgotten about in like December of 2011 right. um and it was like Larry Scott basically is quoted in it saying this is like expanding but not expanding it's like the benefits of expansion without actually having like the tumult of conference expansion you hang around long enough history repeats itself
0: yeah
3: i don't i don't know that this thing will ever come to fruition uh, It doesn't seem like it uh, it's just really hard to know one of it is that they're 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 impacted by this need to schedule out, which is kind of funny. That's coming back to bite them. Yeah, right. They're impatience in scheduling games in 30, 2033 and stuff. The, the playoff, the disappointment here I think for almost everybody is the there could have been a playoff in two seasons and now it might be five. Or do you think the SEC and ESPN will back down and allow it go to open bid uh, particularly ESPN, I don't know that the SEC cares if it goes to open bid. I think they care about how many at-large bids they get. And if they can get a seventh at-large bid, it increases the probability of them getting four teams into a playoff every year. But could you get ESPN to back off their exclusive window? And could we still get a playoff in two years? Well, that's ultimately what happens.
4: Well, the the needle that needs to be threaded here, and uh, Klyuevkov was very clear uh, talking to me in uh, in a little bit of a one on one thing after the the press conference, where he said basically, we need to you know we need to we need more than one major network telling the stories of our teams and programs, and so that he has made that pretty clear. And, and look, the subtext to this is two conferences who are primarily aligned with Fox, and one conference that is completely aligned with ESPN, which has its foot on their throat, which is the ACC. And so <laughs> it's the it's the strangest thing because you talk about the ACC creating games in this alliance. Well, why would you create games when you're not going to be able to create any more revenue, right? Now, I mean, you want to create good games. You want, you know, your teams want to play good games. But I, I wonder if they're going to try to find some backdoor way, And I certainly don't know what it says in the contract to, like, schedule a bunch of the, uh, you know, games in Atlanta to start the year. And maybe those can go – I don't know how that – like neutral site games work within their deal. But can they find some loophole in order to creatively schedule to to, to get that? But yes, this – the immediate future of the playoff is going to come down to the willingness and negotiating – the willingness of ESPN and negotiating power of the CFP to get ESPN to share the postseason – in format, in some way, shape, or form. And ESPN still is negotiating. So maybe if it's a 10-year deal, they got seven of the championship games, and whoever their partners gets three. Like, ESPN is still gonna have a lot of leverage here. And look, people at ESPN are smart. Like, there's a reason why they have the ACC basically, like, with a, with a lead pipe against their throat on the wall, right? Like, because they're really good at their jobs. Like, they're a billion-dollar monolith for a reason. Um, so they're certainly just not going to, like, give up and hold hands in this exclusive negotiating window. And and I think the last point here, Dan, is, like, the power of this playoff is going to come once the games start, right? Because we're, we're not going to sit around and talk about conference commissioners anymore. We're not going to sit around and talk about TV contracts much anymore. We're going to start talking about games, right? Like, the attention of 90% of college football fans now shifts to college football, right? We, we obviously, we appreciate all our listeners who are the sort of the hardcore people who care about Dan's lawn and listen in May, but the majority of the people who follow college football follow it the six months of year where the games happen. The beauty of what happened from the terms of the playoff authors is that they just dropped this little 12-team nugget. Everybody like threw a party for themselves for a week after it got dropped. And the inherent pressure of middle of October, what are we gonna sit around and talk about? Oh, how cool would it be if Louisiana got in the playoff? How great would it be if Coastal was gonna to go to Georgia? How like the power of possibility is going to be the greatest ally of the playoff starting early. And in a way, it gives ESPN more leverage because whoever they end up getting partnered with, they're gonna have what however the the playoff is split, they're gonna have leverage on that partner. As it uh, as it goes on, this is the last boring TV detail that I'll uh, that I'll talk about. There's a danger for ESPN here too, and we saw it with CBS in the uh, SEC deal. So CBS had the all-time favorable deal with the SEC. We've talked about it here—the $55 million one that gets you the SEC title game, bam, LSU. You know that 3:30 game we've all watched and loved every week for you know shoot 15 years now, right? We can all hum the music. So. The SEC never adjusted that deal when Missouri and Texas A&M came in in any significant way. And basically the SEC said, well, if you're not going to play ball with us as we grow and expand and move and you clearly have this great cut rate deal, we're not going to play ball with you in the future. And that's that's why the SEC just went all the ESPN and cut CBS out because CBS didn't play ball with them. So that is the CFP's leverage on ESPN. Hey, we'll wait the five years but we're happy to go to Fox and NBC. We're happy to go to Turner and Amazon. We're happy to go to fill in the blank and fill in the blank. That would be really hard to shut ESPN out. They just—they are one of the heartbeats of college football. It would be difficult to shut them out of the postseason. But at the same time, that's the leverage that the CFP has. That if ESPN doesn't do something, do something quick and bring a da- and agree to a dance partner coming on board, and by the way, pay like a billion bucks or you know three quarters of a billion bucks. Then that's the threat: is they get left out in the long term.
2: So I'm, I, I'm sure our
4: listeners are now asleep.
2: I don't <laughs> think so. Why? Whether we get a playoff in two years or five, which people do care about greatly. You know, I'm I'm I am uh, a bit intrigued by the the ACC's kind of difficult, de- delicate balancing act here. We are still partners with the ESPN forever. But we are coming out in favor of diverse platform, multi-platforms for the playoff and checking the ACC, the SEC here. I think, first of all, they feel like that's in their best interest because it might help protect Clemson and Florida State and anybody else that may get the wandering eye from their league. But also, you know, I wonder if they're just looking at ESPN saying – what are you going to do, get mad at us and give us a worse deal? No, the deal already sucks. So, you know, I, I don't think they're necessarily that worried about relations with ESPN at this point. The other point to, to
4: piggyback on what Pat said about the ACC, which I think is interesting, is people in the ACC will tell you, well, at a certain point, ESPN has to reopen the deal because it's going to undercut the quality, which is then going to undercut the people watching it, right? I don't buy that for a second.
3: Mm-mm. Yeah, nope. I don't buy that either. No, it's gonna be very interesting how they how they proceed, but I think that they will find common ground on the playoff. And I think the SEC would like to move forward on the playoff. I think some of the I, I think the one thing this alliance risked was was kind of boxing Greg Sankey into a corner, like he was this guy who doesn't care about academics and all this stuff and the mm. the grandstanding. You know, he made the point. Well, they they got issues with the playoff. We never even asked to, to it was them who said we need to expand the playoff. And I sat in this committee for for two years, you know? So I I think they – I'm hopeful they can still do it because it would be a a tremendous disappointment, I think, if we have to go five more years of this, all because a bunch of guys are having a petty fight. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's like, is there more money? Yes. Would this be better for competitive balance? Yes. Would we get better games? Yes. Why aren't we doing it? Because we're calling each other names. (laughs)
2: Cause he hurt my feelings. It, welcome to college football, Dan. It took 140 some years to get to get a playoff. I mean, the, the, the details, of Petty. The ode to smug
4: that was Greg Burns' quote to Pat. Oh, the four team playoffs working just fine for the University of, <laughs> of
2: Alabama. Oh boy, Greg, <laughs> and and thumping, thumping that academic chest for everything that he was worth. Uh, oh, yeah, I found that. Uh, it is, I found that quote. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah si.com, yeah. quite amusing. I chuckled out loud. They need the Fountain of Youth for Nick Saban. The, the academic part of this is, is certainly that that has spawned a little bit of the the vanity uh, war here. You know, between uh, don't go telling us we're not serious about academics. All oh, but Texas left a, a league because they're they don't they can't recruit as well as
3: Oklahoma. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the alliance was certainly it was something. And uh, Big 12, plan B. I don't know what your plan
4: is. Do you guys remember the the Final Four in San Antonio? It, it might have been the one that uh, the, the Derrick Rose, Mario Chalmers Final Four. This press conference on one of the off days where like the NBA, the NCAA, and all these groups got together and they formed like an alliance. And like, there had eight people up on a podium. Do you remember this, Pat? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was like, it, it had like people from FIBA, people. Anyway, it was like oh, yeah. eight different entities. And then, like, they go through all this, like, song and dance and all this nonsense. And John Feinstein raises his hands. He goes, So, what is this about? <laughs> <laughs> that was
2: a good question because it was about nothing.
4: Yes. Yes, there was. I had some I, I had some overtones. I was, I was waiting for the moderator to call on John Feinstein yesterday because it would have we would have had flashbacks. <laughs> of course, it, it was like yeah. classic caustic Feinstein tone, too. Oh, yeah. Um, it was. Uh, but it actually like really cut to the heart of like what everybody was saying. there being like, so what is this exactly?
3: <laughs> and then occasionally people would ask like very pointed questions like and then they would they would get kind of rattled like. So you're gonna call, you're gonna go to an eight game conference schedule like it's a yes or a no and it'd be like whoa uh, we're <laughs> evaluating the analysis of uh, the changing landscape and like uh, all right what do you want me to tell people I don't know
2: <laughs> it would be kind of cute ultimately if like the, if the Big Ten and Pac twelve which just thumped the SEC upside the head for years over only playing eight conference games dropped to eight conference games
4: and then the SEC went to ten yeah right. <laughs> Yeah. The SEC is definitely going up. Yeah. And some people think Sankey's going to ask for 10 and get nine, but they ain't staying at eight. Like no. there's no, there's no chance that, that during this next iteration, once Oklahoma and Texas come in, that they are going to, uh, that they're going to stay there. I say they is, go to
3: nine. And then if they have to go to 10, if this alliance actually happens, you go to 10. But as long as you've got your playoff.
4: Yeah. And they, you strip away the bowl minimums at that point if they play 10, you know, so Sully's vols can go to the, You know, the the big mayo bowl at uh at four and eight, you know,
0: but they're four S E (laughs) C wins. It's a number Mm. of conference wins. In four years, if they're still going four and eight, I don't know what where where my mental state's gonna be.
4: I mean, in
0: your defense, Sully, your mental state can't
4: get much worse. It's uh, true. It's a great, great. You point. just got to set point. your
2: sights on the bean pot this year and go from there.
0: Yeah, exactly. start at the bean pot. Want to know with the bean pot? How mm-hmm.
4: is? Where do you keep the bean pot, Dan? Like, do do you have like a little place for it on a shelf in your office? Like, what what have you done with the <laughs> physical bean pot that
3: one of our listeners mailed to you mysteriously? <laughs> it's actually with other oh, pots oh, anyway. in case I somehow <laughs> decide to make baked <laughs> beans. I guess. <laughs>
2: I don't know. Okay. (laughs) You think there's like a listening device in there or something? It could be anything. (laughs) It's entirely possible. I'm getting a whole lot. I love that
0: it's in his kitchen. I love it. It's there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to do with it. Keep it until (laughs) we
2: have a winner and then you mail it to him. (laughs) All right. uh, The other day, uh, we did the
3: the most terrifying mascot poll, which came up with Purdue Pete, uh, but did not include no relation. No relation. (laughs) Uh, did not include the Providence Friar because I guess it, it wanted football, which is just the Providence Friar. And we,
2: and we put it out on Twitter. A lot of people were like, holy crap, that thing is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the Providence Friar wins all terrifying mascot competition. We agree on nothing on this podcast except the Providence Friar is
3: absolutely insane. Get uh, Who designed that? I don't know. <laughs> what
4: was the focus group that picked that one? Was it a bunch yeah. of like old old Rhode Island mobsters? Yeah, you <laughs>
3: spent a lot of time there, Pete. You know, Providence is a scary place.
4: <laughs> I love Providence. I do too. Federal Hill Least rated college foot city for college football in the country, by the way. So, we probably have no <laughs> listeners in Providence except for degenerate gamblers who are probably just tuning in today for our week zero gambling episode because I want to see what Dan thinks about you, the lowest rated linebacker. city in the whole country. Yeah, like that for college football, nobody watches less college football than Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> okay, I, I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like, you know. Use that as my final answer on Jeopardy, but I've, I've seen that, you know, like the, when they have the ratings. It's like Birmingham is one end and Providence is the other. Because it was always funny that the Big East was there back when the Big East had football. <laughs> All
3: right. Well, this poll, uh, another issue with the poll, they, they decided to come up with the four, they, they asked for the most offensive mascots in college sports. And the number four, coming in number four, was the Notre Dame Fighting Irish the other three were the uh, Osceola Florida State, uh, or Osceola and Renegade, the horse, got to cool the horse, the uh, Aztec Warrior at San Diego State, and Vidi the Warrior at Hawaii. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, though, the leprechaun, I guess just the Irish leprechaun is the uh, fourth most. The no- Notre Dame responded to this. <laughs> Uh, It is worth noting there is no comparison between Notre Dame's nickname and mascot and the Indian and warrior names and mascots used by other institutions, such as the NFL team, formerly known as the Redskins. None of these institutions were founded and named by Native Americans who sought to highlight their heritage by using names and symbols
2: associated with their people. Notre Dame coming out firing. Here's here's the other thing Notre Dame may want to bring up. Leprechauns aren't real. (laughs) <laughs> who are you offending with a freaking leprechaun? It's a fictitious folklore character. For the love of Pete, what are they possibly doing? Get Who is getting offended by a folklore character? Come on. I want to find the person who was offended. Who was offended? <laughs>
4: who is the person? I'm offended that a bunch of like probably smart people sat around on, on, in an office or on a Zoom call and said, you know what? We need to respond to this. We need to put out a release. about this list like ginned up by some fake company it's like the it's like the lists that uh that come out about like best and worst college sounds that we make fun of in in may because
3: we have nothing else to talk about (laughs) it's not real like there's nothing
4: real about this yeah or like
3: favorite style of or it's like favorite candy bar and they come up with these it's like (laughs) snicker bars or Reese's is the number one everywhere like no like yeah. Yeah, they um, stick all and So apparently the the, the Indianapolis Star requested comment, but Notre Dame, I mean <laughs> I Notre Dame's no comment did me many times through the years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a school founded by the Irish want to prop themselves up by calling themselves the Fighting Irish because they were being persecuted at the time, still want to call themselves the Fighting Irish. Hey, I can't yeah. I, ca- I can't get we, we got better uh, better things to fight about. Uh including this one. Now this is serious. The uh China's state run media. China, state-run media is saying the coronavirus came out of a lab leak at the University of North Carolina, not Wuhan, (laughs) the UNC Tar Heels, a bio lab at the University of North Carolina, which has a poor safety record and the techniques and artificial synthesis of the coronavirus. UNC created the coronavirus. This is right here in the Chinese news. I mean, we should totally go with this, right?
2: Pat, is it true? Did the Tar Heels do this? I, I would imagine some viruses have come out of the bars on Franklin Street, uh, but probably not this one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel pretty confident that the, the pandemic did not begin at the University of North Carolina. But if it did, I do love the the premise of, of requesting comment from the, uh, the prominent coaches there and what they may say. I, I, if you ask Mac Brown about this, Mac, first of all, he would be horrified at the possible impact on recruiting because Mac uh, always you thinks stole of recruiting. My line. <laughs> <laughs> how's this going to hurt us in recruiting? We have to combat this. It's a, yeah. Big trouble at the Beijing linebacker he was
3: trying to get. <laughs> Well, hey, then, and I,
4: Sally and I take viruses very seriously. Sally, Sally and I, right, we're very Jeff. anti-virus here at, right. at the University of North Carolina. I'm a house one mile from campus. We really we really value it. I, I was here once, once before
2: in the 90s. Very hurtful, uh, Sally very I very I hurtful like for our young men. Very hurtful for our young men to hear this. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> They've worked so hard. They've worked so hard. And now to have China come in and try to impugn their character. <laughs> Uh, it came out of an empty
3: classroom proctored by Roy Williams. Yeah, Rashad McCants was the only student. <laughs> it's a paper class, a paper lab. <sighs> but it's totally legal because anyone could have taken this this sloppy lab and created COVID. <laughs> Not just the basketball team. Any student could have done it, so totally legal. That's right.
2: It the could have CAA spread a there because nobody goes
3: to class. They're all no-show Roy, classes. So how do you Roy would have been great. Dad, gum it. We can't even run the secondary break. You think we can make a virus?
0: <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the best line was uh, it's from Brooke Pryor from ESPN said, "If UNC actually started COVID, the news would have broken on the Pack Pride message board." <laughs> NC that, is a quality <laughs> that was that was
4: one of the better lines on Twitter this year. I uh, yeah. I very much enjoyed that. So, in one third of the pack, pride actually thinks it did start at UNC too.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this: the American media. It's, this is not our finest hour in American media, but we're going to have to request the Chinese media comes up with a little better <laughs> than just accusing the fine folks in Chapel Hill of creating COVID and leaking it out of their lab. But, hey, you know, just asking questions. Just asking questions. All right. It's race for the case time.
2: Hey. Who's ready? Back.
3: Here we go. So it begins. Uh, the parameters are simple. Four of us pick games. Whoever wins, the other three have to buy a case of beer for or something. One year, Pete was very gracious and uh, had all money go to a charity, Play Ball, Boston. I will not be so
2: gracious if I win. If I ever win my beer. all alcohol.
3: And I'll, Pat does how to
4: download apps on his phone, so he can't have Drizzly. Yeah, so it's true. really, uh, it, it, it's really like trying to actually get him to send the alcohol would be futile. He'd have to have one of his kids do it, I think. So, uh, yes, I, I didn't trust Pat basically to have the technological wherewithal to send a case of beer. So I just had him uh, asked him kindly to donate, which you both did, legitimate,
2: very legitimate. Very but much- hey. I did when when we got together in the Detroit airport on our way to Tokyo. I did pay Wetzel the money that I couldn't Venmo him, so I'm I'm square. <laughs> that is true. That did happen. <laughs> could, could, so
4: like, could you just cut the way Pat said Venmo and just play that over and over when we like make fun of Pat? What <laughs> what is, what is <laughs> yeah, this it thing? It has six syllables somehow. It's like Venmo.
3: Anyway, let's get to the gambling. You know, my my functional alcoholism is only one thing to discuss. <laughs> let's get to my functional gambling. Degenerate gambling. Uh, big one, Nebraska and Illinois, 1 p.m. on Fox. Huskers are giving seven, over-unders 55. 70% of the money is on Illinois. No faith in Scott Frost. Warriors, uh, we've talked about how big this game is for particularly Nebraska, but it's also kind of a big game for, for Brett Bielema's first uh Game at the Illini. Uh 70% of the money's on Illinois, but only 40% of the bets. So I guess a lot of Nebraska fans are betting, but not by much.
2: Pat, let's start with you. Who are you taking? Boy, I I am scarred by my opening uh Big Ten wager in last year's race for the case when I bet Illinois against Wisconsin and they were nudged 49, 45 to 7 while I was getting 19 points. But I'm still taking Illinois in the points. I like them at home getting seven. I think that uh, you know they they may not win, but I think they can keep it close enough. I do think the Belama uh, regime change will pay dividends, and we know that Nebraska has been churning through a lot of stuff here in the last couple of weeks. We'll see if that has any impact on preparation or focus. And so I'll, I'll take the Illini, not to win, but to cover.
4: Well. Pat has yet to thank me, but I have uh, taken over the uh, the social media target for the ire of Nebraska fans this week after daring to put Scott Frost on the hot seat. Um, mm. Daring to actually think Nebraska may want to live up to the standards of its former self. Yeah, it's a fascinating situation there. I, interesting aspect of this game to me will be Nebraska's special teams. The special teams illegally coached by the analyst, uh, allegedly. And they were ranked 112th last year. They've been consistently really really bad in in frost's tenure here and i think nebraska is going to win this game and i think they're going to win this game comfortably um if they if they don't well first of all it'd be huge for bielma to show up at illinois and already elevate yourself out of the basement of the west like immediately it would be huge i think nebraska's old this is the best defense frost has had adrian martinez can at the very least scramble and create a little bit um so i think this is a pretty ugly. pat you'll be there in person correct Correct. I will be there. Uh, it, there could be a bit of an eye bleeder, I think, in terms of quality of play. But I do think Nebraska ends up winning like 20 to 10 or something like that. So I'm going to take the Huskers with the uh, seven. And also the one thing I believe we said in the podcast last year when Pat started off with his rousing Illinois will cover against Wisconsin. And we made fun of him both in real time and after. Is just never bet on Illinois. If we have to think about it, just never bet on Illinois.
3: <laughs> I'm not. I'll take Nebraska. <laughs> Backed into a corner, they come out swinging and can handle uh, Illinois. I don't know how much they can handle this year, but I'll take Nebraska to uh, win and cover.
0: Sully, I'm with Pat. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Illini here. Uh, Peters is back for his 50th year under center, um, <laughs> and they have 18 starters back in total. And a lot of those guys are in the front seven, and they're gonna force Martinez to beat him with their arm, and he's not gonna do it. All right. The 2020 New York
3: Times National Championship Connecticut Huskies, (laughs) uh, who won zero games last year but won the title anyway, will play Fresno State in California, in Fresno, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, CBS Sports Network. Fresno State is uh, minus 27.5. The over-under is 62.5. Bulldogs versus Huskies, which kind of dog you got, Pete? Whew. Man, I uh, I guess I just have
4: to take Fresno State, right? And just uh, the, Fresno should be decent this year. Kellen DeBoer's done a uh, done a really solid job build, building them up. That we didn't have a ton of body of work on them last year at, uh, at at three and three, but we have less body of work on UConn. So, I mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of guesswork here. Um, I know about a third of UConn's roster, and that's an estimate. When in the uh, when in the transfer portal, who knows what they brought back? But I. Uh, Yes, I, I just think at, at, at a certain point, I, I have no expertise on this game other than to say, like, you know, bet against Illinois, bet against UConn.
2: Did you say the number's 27 and a half? It is 27 and a half. Too that is a it? huge number for, I mean, when is the last time Fresno State was favored by 27? Pat well, when yeah, was the last time
3: a defending national champion got so little respect?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually answering my own question because I'm looking at Phil Steele here. Fresno was favored by 32 against San Jose three years ago and failed to cover. They were also favored by 32 and a half against Incarnate Word and did cover. Anyway, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Fresno, even though that number seems just massive to me, but for the very simple reason that Yukon was probably going to be a little bit rusty, and they are making the longest single road trip of the season over 3,000 miles to go to Fresno. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Bulldogs despite the horrifyingly large line. Sully. Oh, ye of little faith.
0: They're well rested, baby. Come on. Let's go. Huskies! <laughs> no, it's too many points, but I I, I kind of just want to have fun cheering on the defending national champion. So go Huskies. Allow me to say this,
3: the weather in Fresno. First off, the game is at 2 PM Eastern, 11 AM in Fresno. Uh, it is supposed to be 105 degrees. Oh, oh man! Heat by index, by heat index of 109. Mm. Huskies are going to melt. <laughs> Fresno win, cover done. Not even a, not even a problem. That's completely if,
2: unfair. If UConn had formed the alliance with uh, UMass and made New England United, I, I might like them to cover. But without oh, that, would be a powerhouse that. Yeah. Yeah. Then,
3: then they'd be getting added to one of these leagues. The, all, the alliance would break up. Let me just say this: I mean, TV dictates these games. Why the hell are you playing at 11 a.m. in Fresno to be on CBS Sports Network at 2 p.m.?
2: <laughs> what the hell? And here's the other thing: there's only five games. <laughs> exactly. You can't find a window that avoids an 11 a.m. kickoff. Out. I mean, and
4: yeah. the night
0: games suck. So, yeah, this should <laughs> well, be like well, the, this the game last ball game that's,
4: that's on that's on at the bar where yeah. you, you're sitting at the bar and you're like, oh, could, yeah. could, could Fresno cover in this last possession here in the third right. quarter? Like, yeah, yeah, this is ungodly. This game, we have to think of a scale of Wetzel daughter mockery. Like if you're watching <laughs> this game, your daughters walk in your office and mock you,
3: right? not as bad as some of these later games though. <laughs> yeah, it gets worse a little bit, worse. a little bit. All right, next one. Hawaii at UCLA 3:30 on ESPN. Bruins are given 18 over under is 68 and a half, 10 and 21. Is that the is their actual record or against the spread? It's his actual That's record. That's their right?
4: actual record.
3: Mm. 10 and 21 under Chip Kelly heading into year 4. Uh but Bruins uh heavy favorites against Hawaii. Well, I know my uh,
4: my love of Chip Kelly is well documented on this podcast and occasionally mocked, but Hawaii had a sneaky good year last year under un, under Todd Graham. They went five and four. I believe they won a bowl game. Is that right, Pat? Uh, they did. They won the New Mexico Bowl. They beat Houston. Todd Graham's defensive oriented coach. So, I uh, I really feel like that they will keep this game close. And eighteen is a eighteen is a big number. I would imagine Hawaii is going to mitigate some of the travel stuff that 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 can catch up with them um, later in the uh, later in the year. You got a little cushion out of travel early and all that. So, I will uh, I will take the uh, I will take the Rainbow Warriors with my uh, with my eighteen points.
2: Yeah, I'm going with you. second year under Graham. While well, he's a lunatic, he's a good coach. So I think you know he will be able to 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 see that second year bounce and. I have seen the way Chip Kelly's teams have started the season. They start poorly. Uh, maybe that changes this year, but I'm willing to bet that I, I'll bet against it until I see it happen. Uh, Hawaii, all 11 starters back on defense. Chevin uh, Cordero, their quarterback, was pretty good last year. Uh, I expect him to, to take that next leap forward and be better, and so I think that they at least keep this within a pretty large spread.
0: I'm with you. I'm on the Kadera bandwagon. They got some weapons on offense coming back, too, and they're going to keep it within a couple touchdowns. I'll be there, too, so let's go, Boz. How
4: about that? Sully. Oh, tailgating. Sully. Yes. See? Are you taking your girlfriend, Sully? Is she the kind of girl who'd go to a Hawaii game with you at the Rose Bowl?
0: She is uh, sitting this one out. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> had the painter left toes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Especially as a shop, Trojan too. She's it. not going to go to the Rose Bowl unless the Trojans oh, are in field. that's true. I guess she's a Trojan. You know,
3: but they know. do have alcohol now, so Sully mm-hmm. immediately signs up for UCLA games. Yes. Done. <laughs> yep. How much were tickets, Sully?
4: Like to a 25 UCLA bucks. Game?
0: 25. Wow. Could have got yeah, We want pictures. We want 12:30 kick. kick. Get out there early. Got the TV for the for the Fox game. Nebraska, Illinois. Got some Bloody Marys, and then walking into the Rose Bowl. It's gonna be a great way to kick the season off. Go I Sully. Love the Rose Bowl. Have yourself a day. Out. That's a day. Yeah,
3: yeah. That, that is, is awesome. awesome. I'll take. Uh, I'm taking Hawaii. I think uh, UCLA is gonna hide their offense. Mm-hmm. There's up, no so. question about that. Oh, they, they I care think about. I said them. this on
4: the podcast. It's gonna be the uh, yeah the Breyers package, straight vanilla.
3: Yeah, very vanilla. There you go, Breyers. <laughs> 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 um, all right, battle the uh, battle of I-10 New Mexico State. UTEP is at New Mexico State. You know anything about the El Paso to Las Cruces lonely stretch of, of interstate, dusty and lonely? Stop at Alice's Burrito Lady, get some uh, get some good grub, and head on up to Las Cruces. Uh, game is at 9:30 on Flow Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I
4: have the feeling there's going to be a group text around uh, 925 involving around the technology to find Flow Sports? Doesn't that just mean it's on, like, Facebook? I don't know. The don't game know. is on Facebook? Yeah, Conference USA's TV deal, which the coaches <laughs> love, by the way, if you ever talk to them about it, um, is, uh, is typically uh, – is, is the games are on Facebook. Sometimes they're on the stadium. I hate, I hate Facebook.
3: I hate Facebook. I haven't been on Facebook in two months. I'll, I'll try to dust off my account. I'll see if I remember. Well, Flow Sports, Miners are favored. Mock us all you want.
2: Us. I love it. <laughs>
4: Hell yeah. We haven't lost yet. Who were your three wins last year, Dan, as, as the resident minor fan and expert? Who were the big three big minor wins last year?
3: I don't remember. I got too drunk to celebrating them. Um, well, the Miners
4: The miners toppled Stephen F. Austin. Okay. I believe Abilene Christian.
3: Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Take that. Then they hired and, their basketball coach.
4: Yes. And then Louisiana Monroe. So, I mean, Monroe's a real team.
3: A real team. That's pretty good. That's a lot of, of wins. 130 real teams, they're 130th. <laughs> Out in the west
0: <laughs> Texas town of El Paso, home of the river they call the Rio Grande.
3: The Down on the border.
0: To three touchdowns to Tarleton State, like – new mexico state did this year in the spring so i'm liking the miners, baby lay those points all right sully's just jumping all right, right in didn't even sully, ask sully's got
4: his flow on saturday night if you if you see a guy wandering on the rose bowl parking lot watching <laughs> flow sports it's probably sully
2: <laughs> don't get your car impounded just Pete, who no you pick who you pick that's picking? all
4: I'll take I'll take the minors. I, I can't trust uh, I can't trust New Mexico State. Uh, <laughs> poor Doug Martin, he's in the last year of his contract. I believe the only college football coach in the country in the last year of his contract. They couldn't even give him like a
2: fake extension. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you're the ninth year coach at New Mexico State, you've seen some stuff. <laughs> you know, you've been through some stuff. I, I admire Doug Martin. He got him to a bowl game a few years ago, which is like, they won, won it, yeah, beat I mean, Arizona, like, baby. Incredible. But no, Dana Demel so and good. the mighty miners. Uh, I looked at, I was looking it up. They've been favored once in the last like four years against an <laughs> really? FBS opponent. So this is only the second time. But I, they were favored by one against UTSA in 2019 and lost by 10. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm taking them to win and cover because New Mexico State is the opponent.
3: New Mexico State went one and one last year, but they got forced to play in the spring. Yeah. Yes, yeah, they beat Dixie State, uh, and, and they I the housed by
2: Tarleton State.
3: And in the, the the worst of it all, they had to move their home games to the to the Sun Bowl. They had to play at their rival stadium because New Mexico had uh, tougher uh, COVID rules or something. I don't know. Listen, you throw out the records when these two play, but I'm taking UTEP, of course. Absolutely no way I'm passing that up. Southern Utah at San Jose State, 10 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Why? Like, What is going on on CBS Sports Network between the two games?
4: <laughs> it <are> always they- goes <laughs> right from obscure college football to like bull riding.
3: Yeah. Actually, what they do is they're so cheap. They only have one camera crew, so they need them to drive from Fresno to San Jose during those couple hours. They're like, we'll be back in a few hours. I got to get to San Jose.
4: The other thing this time of year in obscure cable broadcast is we'll get reacquainted with how terrible the commercials are. It's oh, like the yeah. Brett Favre knee brace. Like, have you ever watched <laughs> ACC Network, ESPN, yeah. and CBS Sports. They all have like the most obscure like call now. What um, was that? Yeah. There was one crazy <laughs> ad on ACC Network last year. Yeah, just the, yeah. They only have and they're limited too. So you just see them over and over oh, yeah. and over again. And if you watched as much Arkansas, if you watched as much Central Arkansas as I did last fall, like you saw so many bad commercials. ESPN Plus, I think, is sort of saddled in that, too. Sometimes they just stop showing commercials and give you a break. <laughs> give you a break. Yes. <laughs> we, sh- we should have a, a listener out with, like, a fireplace up and tell you to relax. We should have a listener <laughs> challenge to rank the, like, obscure cable network TV commercials. I-, I feel like that. I feel like that's in the wheelhouse of our
2: listeners. 87% of them are for broken-down old men. It's going to be the, <laughs> the, the, the Brett Favre knee brace, and it's going to be, you know, for back pain uh and you know high blood pressure and uh various other things for for guys that are old and sit around and can't move and watch TV i i think we should get our ad on there our show
3: how <laughs> much <A> <laughs> these ads can we get yahoo to put put a dollar into the show all right anyway did i give the details san jose state obviously had a huge year last year they are negative 21 and a half the over under is 56.5 southern utah Thunderbirds. Ah, cool nickname. They went 1 and 5 during the spring. Now they got now they got to step it up.
2: Pat, your thoughts. Lay the points. I mean, I'm surprised it's only 21 there. I, I San Jose was 7 and 1 last year and has 19 starters back, including quarterback Nick Starkle, who's another guy who's been in playing since the earth cooled, just like Brandon Peters. Uh so I love them in this spot. I know like they won Every game by double digits, but they didn't win any of them by more than like 17 last year. So they were kind of that tweener team. But I, I'm going to take them to cover 21 against a non-FBS opponent for sure.
4: Well, the year may change. I always hate agreeing with Pat so much. But uh, I, I can't even – even if my love of obscure football, I can't give you much on Southern Utah other than I once owned a Thunderbird. So I'm going to wow. take uh, – 29-year-old Nick Starkle and I am going to uh I'm going to roll with Brett Brennan and the boys
0: from uh from San Jose. I think the concern would be from the the boys in the desert is that I think it's Starkle and he's the only one back from that that offense. So I I don't know. I don't know what they're saying, but I'm give me give me the Spartans. So San Jose State, I'm taking them. Uh, so all right. Steel's I've
4: got nine starters back. So yeah, right, but so, I guess
0: the two are the
2: wide receivers, right? Right. The two. Well, yes, they are. They are new at wide receiver. As we move
3: forward, we're going to break the race for the case out into its own podcast to, to, to kind of do it. We may pick more than five games. I don't know. We don't like rules. We're like the Alliance.
2: <laughs> Minimize rules, maximize guidelines. Yes. We there promise we
3: nothing. All right. That's our pod. We'll be back next Monday. Uh, at some point, we are not going to do the early morning Monday overreaction. We're not going to work on Sunday because there's only five games uh, and there's only so much mockery you can make of these teams. We don't want to do that. But we will be back on Monday with a new pod. Uh, season's really cranking up and we're all very excited and we'd like to get done with this alliance talk for a while. So please subscribe. Get ready for the season. If you are not listening to us during the season, you're doing it wrong. We will talk to you then.